It's time for 41 is the Mike, a weekly Chiefs podcast with Nick Jacobs of KSHB 41 and Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. 41 is the Mike starts now. Welcome to the New York Jets edition of 41 is the Mike. I am Matt Derrick and joined by football enthusiast Nick Jacobs. Nick, I appreciate the enthusiast, sir. <laughs> Matt knows how much I enjoy using that. It's on my voicemail still from last time he used it, and that's boy, been five or six months now. So I appreciate that. My go-to for Nick. Nick. Nick does everything with enthusiasm. Whether it is watching film, whether it is breaking down the career of Robin Lively, which we will do later in the show. We Nick. Nick's an enthusiast of it, of it all. That's why we love him. The, um, we may have just done that off air for a couple of minutes before we started the podcast and my frustration with them not recognizing the other people in the uh, suite. There's there's more than one person in the world, Nick, and we will we're going to talk about a lot of them today and we will recognize them unlike other people. <laughs> The the Chiefs escaped from New York with a 23 to 20 victory. This was talked to a lot of people, Nick, who thought, hey, this is great. Going to be able to, to go to bed at halftime and put this thing away. And you get up in the morning and, and be in a good mood and have a good night's rest. And the Chiefs declined to cooperate. Up 17 to nothing. This turned into a dogfight the rest of the way. And, you know, I guess it kind of begins and ends with Patrick Mahomes in the offense because, you know, Patrick and the run game had an incredible first quarter, but there was more to the story, as, as we like to say sometimes in the news game. And uh, there was some good and some bad in this contest from both for both Pat and the run game. I don't know who those people were that thought they were going to bed at halftime because that was never going to be a reality for me. I knew I wouldn't get out of work till. 12.30 or 1.30 at the earliest with the game being on our air. And I think I left about 1.45 in the morning, if I remember correctly. Maybe 1.30 a.m. I don't remember, but I know it's in that ballpark. But either way, yeah, no, I, I that was never going to be a rally no matter what the game was for me. So I envy those people who had that hope in their life. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, look, I mean, for me personally – there's uh, I've argued it on to well, I haven't really argued. I stated my opinion and people have been in my mentions all day. Um, the game came down to two points. The safety call with, with the holding and, and I'm not saying it wasn't a face mask. I'm not saying it wasn't holding. I'm just saying it started before the end zone. So that's not a safety. Like that's the part that I, that I take issue with on that. I'm not recognizing that they didn't incorrectly call the penalty, they just where the placement was of the penalties where it was incorrect in my book. Um, and then that started off a you know five point run there. And then uh and then the Derek Naughty uh, alleged horse collar that I'm I'm sorry, but he's he's grabbing the jersey. So like I mean, I, I get it if it's yanking from the horse collar is literally the whole purpose of it is the yanking from the nameplate so that it doesn't get a player's leg caught and cause them to break a leg or have some violent injury to their to the knee and below uh, feet anything of that nature that's the whole purpose of that so the fact that like people are arguing that just kind of I'm like okay and then on top of it the running back has a face mask on naughty so at minimum it, you know maybe it's offsetting penalties if you had to do something like that I don't know if the horse collar is more extreme to where it negates the other one or not. I'm not going to pretend to know the rule book at that level. Um, but that was another momentum swing. And th- those those decisions 
really swung the momentum that gave the Jets life and put them back in the game. Because I do believe if that safety call doesn't happen, and then if that other call doesn't happen, I, I honestly think that the Jets would have given up on that game with another score or two, and it would have been over. Because, I mean, then the final score ended up being 23-20. Chiefs get another touchdown off that. It's 24 nothing at that point, and that's ball game at that point. Well, in that sequence, you're absolutely right, because not only do, do the Chiefs have the safety, but then they follow that up with back-to-back drives with interceptions. So you've had three drives that end with safety for points on the Jets and then the two turnovers. And even though the defense bailed you out a little bit, I mean, they hold them told the Jets to a field goal. Um, it was still, I mean, that was a that was a huge momentum swing. And you saw it on both sides of the football because the Jets defense was getting pushed around in the first quarter. And once the Chiefs started making mistakes and all of a sudden Zach Wilson gets in some rhythm, that Jets defense was like, wait a minute, we get paid too. There's a there's a game to play here. We got a chance to win this one. Yeah, you could see you could see a pep in their step and a lot more enthusiasm and some adjustments that they were making there along the way that kind of gave the Chiefs fits on offense. And this is, I think it's probably worth mentioning just because the Jets and their fans today are talking about officiating as well. They're talking about because they feel like that the the, the Chiefs offensive line got away with a few calls, that the that they feel like that the, the hole that was called on Sauce Gardner was not a hold. Um, I mean, I'm generally of the philosophy that if both teams are complaining about the officiating, then the chance that the officiating was at least not good, but at least was even-handed. And I'll say from from my thoughts, at least from the Jets' perspective on what they're saying about things, uh, there's a couple of areas where they might have some points, but at the same time, that Jets' secondary held on to the Chiefs all day long. Uh, I mean, Travis Kelsey got tackled on the play that Mahomes had to scramble, and they did flag that, but... Um, I mean, the Jets clearly their their goal was absolutely would you get close enough to a Chiefs receiver, just hold on to him. Um, because even that Marquez Valdez Scantling play, I thought that the deep shot. I mean, Sauce Gardner had a pretty good hold of him. I mean, MVS could not come back for that ball because, because <laughs> Sauce wouldn't let him. Yeah, and 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 that is uh that feels like a 03 uh Patriots type of type of uh <laughs> type of strategy right there. So hey. If that's what the Jets want to do, I get it and everything. And they wanted to be physical. And look, the Jets are one of the better defenses the Chiefs are going to go against all year. So it was a good test, a good challenge, and a good experience for them to have to go through that with that level of pass rush and that quality of a secondary. So, I mean, that's one of the better teams the Chiefs are going to be able to kind of evaluate and coach's film and kind of be like, hey, well, I tried this and this and this. This will work out better in the future. So, I mean, I, I like that test for the Chiefs wide receivers and the Chiefs passing offense overall. But one thing I will say, that Chiefs align from a protection perspective, man, they were phenomenal there for most of it. I mean, there's some there's some twists and some stunts that like got the best of them later on. But for the most part, they were giving Mahomes a lot of time. They were giving Mahomes Chiefs 2003 offensive line time. There's some times where Mahomes had seven seconds back there if he wanted it. And like, you know, the in in Chiefs pass, you don't have that level of time or protection. So, and Mahomes didn't know what to do with it sometimes. He's like Ricky Bobby and Talladega Knights. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. What do I do with them? So, you know, it, um, but no, I, I was impressed with the Chiefs O line protection overall. 
there was about 22 and a half minutes of this game between the the first quarter and the last drive that the Chiefs absolutely owned this game. I mean, absolutely just thoroughly pushed the Jets around. Let's talk about 37 and a half minutes in between. Because <laughs> we're talk, kind of talking about that as far as Mahomes in the run game. But what to you was the breakdown? What caused you know that what you saw so successfully in the first quarter and you saw come back around at the end, you know, that the offense moving, you know, doing what it wanted to at the end, but in between really struggled as far as finding its rhythm and, you know, doing exactly what we saw this team even do last week against Chicago, which was put a, put a struggling team away. For me, it was the run game strategy because going into the week when I'd watched the Jets defense in their previous three games, the success each team was having was getting on the perimeter to run against them. And with that, you're going to need Pacheco and you're going to need McKinnon to be those guys. McKinnon for the more explosive runs you need Pacheco with a little bit of the misdirection and being able to run through some potential tackles and be able to overemphasize some of those counters and everything. Cause like the touchdown run he had that McKinnon, or I mean that uh, Pacheco had, you know, that was a tackle over play on a short yardage situation. And then they, you know, they do the kick down blocks, phenomenal down blocks, kickoff block by Trey. And then that's a wrap. And, you know, Pacheco is able to overemphasize that step and then counter back with it and take that the distance. And those, those were the type of plays with as aggressive as the jets are in their front seven and creating the mismatch from a blocking perspective and giving them better angles on the O line to get to the perimeter. That was going to be the key to success running between the tackles with, you know, and, and doing some of the stretch runs, those weren't necessarily going to work and tosses. They did a couple of them, but if you're going to do those tosses, the best way to do that sometimes is to use the bunch formation and use that to kind of help seal some stuff off. Like the chiefs did um, come think of it. And, and with Damian Williams in the super bowl, the first super bowl win against, uh, you know, some guy, some guy who's the jets head coach now with his defense. And there was opportunities there too, at that time, with that style of run, just because of how they emphasize stuff and how they approach it. So I, I thought if they would stay tried and true with that, they would find success. And then when a couple of times, whenever you know, I, I tweeted that out, then they, they did those. And then the Chiefs started to find their footing again there at the end of the third quarter and fourth quarter. That was, that's what needed to be their kind of, um, the beacon that allowed them to kind of, you know, get even keel and stay steady again, and then allow Pacheco to use his physicality against that Jets defense to kind of finish them off on some of those runs. But I, I feel like they, they strayed from that at times. And because of that, and when you're doing that and you're, you're hitting them so much on those outside runs, then the Jets have to space out a little bit. Then the, you, the interior can't open up for you and you can do some of those doubles based off those looks. But I, I I was hoping they would lean more on the outside runs and they didn't do it as much as I thought they would and gave themselves the favorable blocking angles because that's what kind of helps calm down Mahomes sometimes. And that's what also kind of creates the necessary adjustments to do what they wanted to. Yeah, and to me, there there was one really interesting stat from all of this with Isaiah Pacheco's line because obviously ends up with a great night, 115 yards on the ground, a touchdown, averaged 5.8 yards a carry. Those are all fantastic numbers. But one thing about Isaiah Pacheco is that he typically doesn't get stuffed. 
you know, his stuff rate is one of the best in the league. I mean, amongst, you know, qualifying players last year, he had the best rate of getting stuff behind the line of scrimmage, like 12.5%. And last night, 25% stuff rate for, for, for Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, he doesn't usually get stopped for a loss or at the line. Um, but last night, Jets were able to do that. Yet at other times, they he was able to run freely. So I think that's that's definitely to me indicative of the fact that and underscores your point, which is that uh, the the structure of the run game last night was maybe not the at its normal uh, peak efficiency because even though they ran the ball well, they had some struggles at times. Yeah, it was it was really clunky. I I felt like they left a lot of opportunities on the table there to really kind of dominate and control that game and put it away earlier than what they ended up eking, eking out at the end. And of course, one of the reasons why they were able to eke out this win is the the defense does bail out this team once again. I mean, um, maybe not the effort that some people hoped going up against the Jets because the Jets and Zach Wilson have been having a lot of struggles. But you give up 20 points to the Jets. I think the Chiefs are now the only team in the NFL who's allowed 22 or less points in all four games so far this season. And, you know, this was peak Zach Wilson. I mean, this is <laughs> the best Zach Wilson we're probably ever going to see. And the Chiefs were able to still pull this out because of their defense. Yeah, and, and you know, and with the Chiefs being Super Bowl champions, that's where, you know, players are always going to show up and they they'll they'll – They'll compete at a different level against the Chiefs than they might against, say, the Patriots in a 15-10 game, you know? like And you had the atmosphere and everything with, you know, with the crowd and, and the electricity of it and momentum and everything. And Wilson had a couple good drives because of it. And I'm not going to knock him because he's always been he's always been capable of making those throws. He's always capable of doing that. He just needs a proper coaching to get to that point. And in my opinion, he wasn't, he wasn't getting that. And Nathaniel Hackett's working with him to get him to fit the scheme in some regard. So that's going to be, that's going to be a long process throughout the entire year. And it'll be interesting to see if he's able to continue that progression or if it kind of, you know, is a struggle, but you still see the potential that even if it doesn't work out in New York, some team's going to take a chance on him down the road and be like, we're the ones who can develop them. You're just hoping it's not the bears. Sorry, but true. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, from, it's just Spagnolo was, he was trying to keep him out of rhythm, and then at, at a couple points, I think they were, I think they they were they were concerned because they they had a unique balancing act, and I I know you were there when I asked it at the pressers to a lot of the position coaches throughout the week. There's just a balance with the Jets to where they're a good running team, they're a physical running team, and if they run it, you know, like Spagnuolo brought up in the press conference, 35 times a game, or Colin, one of the two, I can't remember, but one of them brought it up that they were expecting him to run 35 times. And if they do that type of stuff, like it creates a comfortable balance for them and for their style of offense and what they do. And just with that, with the, what the chiefs were doing, they were nervous to where they didn't want to get burned by the play action passes. So they were kind of keeping the backers back when they could to make sure that second level didn't get open. So then the jets were either hitting down the seams or they were taking the out route, depending on what the linebackers were kind of doing there at times. So, the, the Chiefs had to make a decision, and they were okay with taking some paper cuts, and then it ended up working out for them, so I'm not going to knock them on any of that. But then there was times where Spagnuolo was like, all right, I got to break up his rhythm, so I'm going to have to bring some unexpected blitzes. And those worked sometimes too, and sometimes it didn't, and they left an out route or a seam open 
um, available to for Wilson to convert on. So, and then like Brian Cook almost had that interception and ended up being a touchdown, all because of where Wilson placed the ball. Cook thought he had a pick right there, and, and then he's like, ah, all right. So you know, it's just it was unfortunate that you know the defense got put out there as much as they did, and that they couldn't kind of play differently um, because of how tight the game was, but. At at the end of the day, the defense answered the call yet again. And I know the pass rush wasn't as effective as people would want, but Jets O-line was holding a lot last night. I'm not upset about it. It's just you're going to have to figure out a way to work around it. I mean, it, it didn't feel like this last night, but then looking at it this morning, looking at the numbers, this Chiefs team ran the ball 35 times. And you're talking about the coaches thought the Jets were going to do that. Jets ran the ball 16. And yet Zach Wilson goes 28 of 39 passing and Mahomes was 18 of 30. I mean, you would expect this entire way that this game unfolded to be the exact opposite. I mean, the Chiefs end up running the ball more than they throw it. The the Jets throw the football and Zach Wilson's incredibly effective. I mean, what what in the world kind of game did we watch last night, Nick? Um, we watched a we watched a let's get out of here with a win game. <laughs> Whatever you gotta do to get out of here with a win, things aren't going like we thought they would in the game plan, and we're gonna have to adjust accordingly in some spots and just get out of here with a win. And that's that's what the that was the strategy they took. Well, and and there were there were two plays in particular that I think that both of us will agree were were game breakers. I mean, these were the plays that the defense made that were absolutely essential. Um, the first was was Brian Cook making that the tackle on Brees Hall, um, because that was one of those plays to me where if the defender gets a little greedy and wants to try and make a, a big hit or a big stop and, you know, is trying to make the play too quickly, can end up turning it into a touchdown. And instead, Brian Cook was patient, and he might have given up a few yards, but he made sure he didn't give up six points. Right, and that's the that's my phrase that we've talked about time and time again, where he chose to win the win the war, not the battle. And so, like, he did what he had to do in that moment to be like, hey, yeah, this may be explosive play. I may give up another 10 or 15 here, but I'll rather do that than, you know, giving up a touchdown right here, like you said. So he chose to win the war, and it worked out for him because it was 20, if I remember correctly, it was 2020 at that time. And, you know, and it didn't, the Jets didn't score off that. They went backwards. And then that was, that was a wrap on that part. Yeah, I mean that's that play absolutely could have at the bare minimum led to a field goal, and then Cook manages to keep him out of that out of that range. That was huge. And then you know both teams put the ball on the on the field on the snap. Mahomes ends up recovering his, and <laughs> I guess we'll put it down as a, a third down conversion for Mahomes with the quarterback sneak. Um, but. Zach Wilson not as not as fortunate with getting his his loose ball back. Tershawn Wharton grabs it, and that was really the turnover to me that was what the Chiefs needed. I mean, they they had essentially lost the turnover battle at that point with the two interceptions, and I'll I'll throw the safety in as a turnover as well because essentially it is. And Tershawn Wharton gets him one back, and they could not have come at a better time. Yeah, and, and if I remember correctly, after he made that one or, or, or recovered it, like the Jets never got the ball back again. Like that was the final time that they had the ball and it was based on a fumble. Um, yeah. And I think the chiefs kept the ball the rest of the time and obviously had a penalty as well. That kind of aided them. Um, but yeah, no, it, that was that to me when I saw it, I was like, all right, if they can go down and punch this in, get some points out of this, they can, they can end this ball game right here. And then, you know, so they were able to handle that a little bit, but it, it, um, 
Yeah, it it just the that 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 was the moment right there. I know I don't have a proper words for this, but I mean that was that was what sealed the one of the play and one of the it was the starting catalyst and a handful of plays that really kind of helped lock in that game and kind of put them over the top. And perhaps nothing more fitting than in this game that could not have been more bizarro that, yes, the Chiefs get that possession after the Tershawn Wharton turnover and then embark on a 15-play, 7-minute, 24-minute second drive, uh, a drive of 45 yards (laughs) to run out the clock. 15 plays, 45 yards, 3 yards per play. But it's a winning drive, Nick. It's the it's a game winning drive. And and when I'm watching that uh, after after the fact, I'm like, all right, that was at the time when I'm watching it live. I'm like, all right, that felt somewhere between like a minimum twelve to eighteen plays, somewhere in that ballpark. And if if you're Andy Reid after that game or in a in a meeting this week, you're like, and that's why we run the long drive drill during training. yes for that moment right there that helped win that football game. That's why. The, we put you in those situations is so that you could have that moment when you have to have it for that. And you have to run out that play clock. You have to run down that game. This is how you're going to do it. And that's why you bring that up to them so that they've been through that situation one way or the other for both sides of the ball. So that train, that, that situational awareness and training camp, that's what paid off in that moment. And that's one of those days in training camp that really kind of helped them sustain that one. And then some of the ones they had down in Jacksonville uh, as well, based on the heat they were going against and some of the drives that they had, but yeah, it's already paid off twice and gotten the chiefs two of their wins this year. So that's where you get to tip your cap to Andy and the fact that he's a veteran that understands that and does a really great job of putting his players in situational spots that help them succeed throughout the season. And that is, you know, we talk about Andy Reid being a a creature of habit and not a lot of things change. But one thing that has changed, and this is especially true, I think, with the the practice changes under the collective bargaining agreement. Because I remember when I first started covering this team in 2016, you know, we were talking about long drive day. There'd be the one day of practice where it'd be 19 plays, be a hot morning, and, you know, there'd be guys puking on the field. I mean, that's that was all about that. And now, you know, with there's less practice time. So rather than doing that one day of just a brutal drive, you know, Andy does more drives just like this, you know, instead of like the 19 play in the heat, he'll do 50, you know, it'll be a 12 play drive one day. And then it's up to 13 and, you know, work up to like 15 and 16 plays, but rather than doing it just once, they're doing it, you know, a dozen times. And that muscle memory, I mean, that, then that mental challenge is exactly what Andy Reed wants to do in a training camp. Mission accomplished coach Reed. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished indeed. Um, obviously, the, the 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 two big reasons why the Chiefs almost lost this game, cover up the the, the wrap up the game, were the two mistakes that Patrick Mahomes made uh, with the two interceptions. Both instances looked to me like Patrick was just trying to be perfect to thread the ball, to, to, as as Andy Reid said, shape the, the throw into some perfect places, and didn't work out the way he wanted to. Nick. 
Yeah, and the first interception he threw, like I was telling you earlier, I I think he didn't see that second defender who ended up making the interception because he's literally from the angle Mahomes is throwing at, he's it looks like he's getting covered up to where Mahomes thinks he's throwing it in that spot, dropping it in there and everything, but he didn't realize that the second defender's behind, you know, is being covered up by the defender in front of him from the angle he's throwing at. We may see it on the broadcast. You know, but from his vantage point, I was like, eh, I don't think he knew that that defender was there because of how he's covered up by the guy in front of him. So that one, you know, kind of fluky in that regard that happens. That other one, I mean, Mosley was going to drop back to where Kelsey was. And, and once I get to watch a coach's film, I, I think I'll see what a, what they were doing to Kelsey strategy-wise. And it seemed like when he was going over certain parts of the field, they were going to drop somebody back in that in front have somebody in front of him, somebody behind him to, to where Patrick was going to have to make perfect throws in those windows to, to accomplish that. And then the third one that almost happened where Kelsey was uh, going to look like he's going to run inside, but he's faking. He's going to, he's going to dip back out there on a pivot and Mahomes thought he's going to keep going on a crosser. Then there was that one that almost got picked off. And then the, the whitehead one from the hold, you know, that, that one as well as in triple coverage, but Mahomes did that because he already knew. I, I think Mahomes already knew. Hey, that's a penalty. They're they're gonna have to call it if I throw it in the direction. And so something I think people need to understand sometimes is that people get upset and say, "Well, the ref didn't didn't throw the flag." Sometimes they don't throw it if the ball is not over in that vicinity and altered the play. That is that is what they do. So and, and that's just what officiating crews across the board do. And I get to see that from watching all twenty two. Sometimes they won't throw it unless it's going to alter the play. Like if Mahomes threw that one over Travis Kelsey's feet on the screen, they might have they might have thrown that flag. But the fact he took off and ran, they let they let it go. So and Mahomes also took off because they may have gotten an eligible downfield at that point potentially because of how far the linemen were upfield and Kelsey being on the ground. So I mean, you know, it's just something you always got to be mindful of and, and keep in in that regard. And, and, and a great point too. Uh, what I was saying last night with the the Sauce Gardner penalty that was so crucial there at the end. If the Jets don't intercept that ball, um, that might that may not get flagged. I mean, that could, could have been a case because the, the refs let a lot of a lot of holding go last night in a lot of different places. But when you get a hold that results in an interception, they're going to call that every single time. Exactly. Exactly. And now I know I know Patrick. Didn't see maybe a couple of defenders last night, but I'm hoping, Nick, I'm hoping that at some point he saw some people that, you know, we really wanted to see. Because I, I think we need to know find out on Wednesday when we see Patrick, did he get to meet Wolverine and Deadpool? Thank you. I, I'm glad somebody finally mentioned that 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 Wolver, uh, that uh, Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, Robin Lively. We're all there like that. For me, that was a big deal. Okay. Cause a Wolverine Deadpool and then, uh, you know, Robin lively playing, uh, teen witch back in the eighties. Like, I mean, that was, that was a, that was a big deal, man, to see all them in a press box together like that. I was, I was more, I was more pumped about that. And I'm like, Hey, look at that. I got some new people watching a chiefs game. All right. Then you get some new celebrities. I was fascinated because I, I kept thinking, I know Robin lively from somewhere. And so it wasn't until I looked up the 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 the, the IMDb page that I'm like, oh, that's Robin Lively. I mean, yes, not only Teen Witch, but a lot of great stuff from the 80s and 90s. I mean, the woman was in Punky Brewster. She did some Punky Brewsters, Nick. 
and she was in this is this this one for the older part of our, our listening audience she was in the backdoor pilot for ncis that was in jag and she was on lero J- jethro gibbs's team i mean if not for apparently you know a, a, a poor performance i don't know maybe she we don't, ever, don't ever say that set. about robin lively ever. i would not say that about robin you lively. just said that out loud matt <laughs> clearly she should have been on ncis for the last 20 years i don't know why she was on his team got dumped totally unfair but these are these are the new chiefs fans nick all i know is whenever is whenever i see robin lively in a, in a tv show i will stop what i'm doing and watch it while she's on there as well it is man you should it's from she's from my childhood she's my first uh she's the first lady that was a redhead that i was that i was a big fan of and so i, I attribute that to her so i'm all, all i'm saying is like and she was in cobra kai recently on netflix i was pumped about that so i mean i'm, I'm just saying i mean robin lively was in the suite and like i said i would have loved to have seen Ryan Reynolds, more, and and they didn't even show so Sophia Turner was in the suite too. So you got her from Game of Thrones. Like you have all these, all these, you know, all these uh, movie stars, and then some. You know, Lively's done a lot more TV recently than she, you know, than she did movies. But I'm I'm like, man, there's all these people, and then uh, you know, I haven't even talked about Blake Lively, who's who's a star in her own right. So I mean, like all all these people are in the suite, and I'm just like, and now here's the thing I will say. You can tell me if I'm wrong about this. And we haven't talked about Paul Rudd that was on the field during warm-ups. <laughs> so, like, like people tweeted out last night, Ant-Man, Wolverine, and Deadpool were all at the Chiefs game yesterday. We're we're used to Paul Rudd showing up. I mean, we're 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 used to the KC people. I mean, you know, and if Heidi Gardner had been there, you know, we're we're used. We're cool, Nick. We can handle that. But Deadpool, Wolverine, and Teen Witch show up. We're all over that. So what you're saying is we we like shiny new celebrities. That's <laughs> what you're saying. We like we like it when you know the 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 people that are not as familiar to us all of a sudden come over to the to the good side. That's what we're saying. The solid point, sir, because I was just as amped when Henry Winkler became a big fan of Patrick that's Mahomes early on too. So that's a great point. That was a that was a pretty big deal for that was a pretty big deal. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, now I'm trying to think about who would be my favorite celebrity to to jump on the Chiefs bandwagon that would like to see the Chiefs game. You think about that right now. What I'll say, I'll say my thing is like I think it's just smart business if each NFL team invites celebrities to a suite and lets the camera crews know. Like that's just that's just smart business and that's smart marketing. And just, you know, have a suite set aside and be like, hey, the, like set aside for them, invite them to it, s- slate it for the entire year and just allow that to happen. And like the publicity you can get off that and then on top of it to be able to interweave it together with, uh, you know, with the opportunity that it can create some some association marketing wise and maybe get some of those people's fans to pay attention to the football team. Like, I just think that's a smart marketing business if NFL teams try to do that more. Uh, hey, just do some cross branding because everybody's got a movie and a TV show coming out. So uh, I always enjoy the well. Enjoy is a rough word, but a strong, strong word. But I'm reminded of the Major League Baseball All Star Game. It seems like every year, you know, whoever's covering it has all the stars of their show. Does it coming out that fall? Sitting in the stands, say, yeah. "Hey, you can you can watch this coming up on Fox this fall." And hey, here's Dulé Hill. He's he's going to be in that show. Um, 
yeah, that's that's what we need. And hey, if 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 Dulé Hill wants to come and hang out and watch some Chiefs games, you know, I'll, I'll go to the suite level and check it out, and you know, see how he's doing. And the fact that you mentioned that uh, All Star thing, and uh, I just keep thinking of Mark Paul Gossler, who people know as Zach Morris, uh, who has another show coming out here soon. He's also on Will Trent, that's on uh, ABC as well. It just that just kind of cracked me up because yeah, he he was at the uh, he was at the All Star game whenever they were doing that uh, the baseball TV show that he was on for a little bit. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, I just, and, and you know, like, I, just, I think there's so many, so many marketing opportunities that can kind of just, just help maybe get somebody else to kind of pay attention. This is, this is, it's not, it's not just internationally, Matt, the NFL needs to think about how to get some of the non-football fans in the United States through this marketing. This is what it, this is what it is, Matt. See, and it's all going to come full circle because at some point we're going to be able to do the Kevin Bacon game and it'll be like, okay, well, Noah Gray was in an episode of NCIS and Blake Li- or Blake- Robin Lively was in the backdoor episode of JAG. So there you go. So basically instead of six degrees of Kevin Bacon, be- it's going to be six degrees of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Is that exactly. what you're me? That's exactly what we're going to be doing. And and I want to hear who your celebrity will be someday. You don't have to think – you don't have to be today. If you want to leave it as a cliffhanger for the next podcast, you feel free on that. It gives people something to look forward to for next week. Uh, it, maybe you should tell us, and, and when you make the comments on this episode, tell us who you who who you want, what celebrity you want to see at a Chiefs game. See, so oh. we can we can make it a part of the the audience here. And from a marketing perspective, if you also want to tag their Twix or X or Twitter handle to it, maybe that gets a couple more people to listen. Exactly. Our, look at this marketing, oh. Matt. We're taking off. We're skyrocketing. Oh, if we find out that Wolverine and Deadpool listen to this podcast, we would, we'd be great. Just know, Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman, Robin Lively, Blake Lively, we saw you. And you know what else, Matt? There was somebody that we didn't talk about <laughs> that was in the speech. I can't think of anybody entire, else who was at the game last night. The I mean, entire we, pretty time. Much, we pretty much covered it. I love it. I love it, dude. I love that we... <laughs> Sorry, because we're a little burnt out on hearing about it. <laughs> oh, uh, Chiefs. Escape from New York, twenty-three to twenty. We we will be back next week, much earlier in your feed next week because the Chiefs are not on Nick's air, unfortunately, um, and they're playing a a a reasonable three twenty-five game. So you know, won't be that late night kickoff and everything. Uh, but we'll be coming to you after the game to break it down, let you know what happened. So keep following along. Thank you for listening. Give us uh, our our likes, our five stars, whatever it takes, so that more people can find the podcast. We appreciate you, Nick. Any parting words? I bid you adieu. That says it all for us, folks. Thanks uh, for joining us. Forty One is the mic. We will catch you next week after Chiefs and Vikings. You've been listening to Forty One is the mic, presented by KSHB Forty One, your home of the Chiefs and Chiefs Digest. <laughs>